Well, turn in your Bibles to Mark 16. We're actually going to look at the verse 16, 16. We're going to see how that fits together. And and we're looking at, it's kind of a little section on baptism. Let me remind you of something. We know that salvation is by grace through faith, that we're saved not by what we do, but by faith in Jesus Christ who died and rose again for us. So we're, we're trusting in Christ to give us eternal life, and we're believing in him, and that's salvation. But people get confused, and they add works, and they'll say things like, repent of sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down an aisle, make him Lord of your life, ask Jesus into your heart, all those kind of things. And then some people actually say, you need to be uh, physically baptized. You have to be baptized in order to be saved. And so one of the key areas that we've been talking about, started last time, and then this time, is this whole idea. Does a person have to be baptized to be saved? And we're going to look at two two more verses. We looked at Acts 2.38 last time. We're going to look this morning at Mark 16.16 16 and John 3.5. And you may say, John 3.5? In John 3, where Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and Jesus tells him that whoever believes in me will never perish but have eternal life. Well, yeah, but you mean some people, there's a verse, there's something about baptism in there? The answer is, no, there's not, but people try to, and we'll see that one as well. So, I turn to Mark 16, 16, and then as we start, let's just think about this. I get one of the great verses of all time, of course, is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So I want you to think about it. It's by grace, the grace of God, we have been saved, saved from separation through faith. It's by faith, by believing in Him. It is not of ourselves, this remember that. It's the gift of God. If you do anything for it, it couldn't be a gift anymore. And then it's not of works, lest anyone should boast. So when a person says, you've got to do something, they say, well, no, you say it's a gift. What do you have to do for a gift? Nothing. In fact, if you have to do something for a gift, this is no longer a gift. If I said, I'll give you $5 to wash my car, I'm not giving you $5. You're washing my car. So that's not a gift. But if I said, I'll give you $5, that's a gift. And so when the Bible says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, we're saying that there's not anything that you should do or can do. So, what do we do for a gift? Nothing. So when we see the issue of water baptism, it's pretty amazing when you'll talk to people and they'll say, you have to be baptized. And I'll say, you mean, what do you mean? Yeah, well, you have to go and you have to get in the water and people have to baptize you. And I say, well, that, that's you doing something. Oh, no, no. You're just getting baptized. They're doing it all. I said, it's still something you're doing other than believing in Christ for eternal life. And so we saw last week at Acts 2.38, and there's really two or three ways to take that that are good. We looked at one last week. And maybe I might come back another week and show you a, a different way to really look at it, which is still just as good. Uh, we might do that. But I just wanted you to see uh, this whole idea of Mark 16, 16 and, and John 3, 5. So let's start with Mark 16, 16. Let's just look at it. And it, here's the verse. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I just want you to look at it. There are people who will say, notice it says, you believe and get baptized and you're saved. Now, if we stopped right there, we might confu- be confused. We might say, well, it says believe and baptize will be saved. But then it says, but, here's the contrast. He who has disbelieved shall be condemned. He doesn't say, and let me just put this right here. He disbelieved. He didn't say who doesn't believe and is not baptized will not be saved. The only part that results in condemnation is not believing. Now, let me show you something that I don't want to bother you with this. I don't want you to get upset when I show you this. But when you look at the Bible, we know that there are over 6,000 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. 
And there are a lot of different ones. And as people put the Bible together, we look at that. They looked at manuscripts and said, this one fits best here. I mean, you know, this one might say Lord Jesus Christ. And another might say Jesus Christ Lord. Or it might say Christ Jesus. And so as they looked at the manuscripts, they would say based on dates and places. And they said, this might be the best one. If you notice, if you got a Bible that look, look at Mark chapter 16. And if you notice, there are actually in our Bibles at least three different different endings for the gospel of, of Mark. Three different endings. And so all three are in our Bibles to give you an idea of, well, the, the people who put the Bible together said, let's give the three endings and not leave anything out. So I want you to look at one. There's an ending that starts with verse 1 and goes through verse 8. And it stops there. Then there is another ending that starts at verse 9 and goes through verse 20. And then there's another ending, if you've got a Bible like mine, that it puts a little thing. And it basically, all it says is, they probably reported these instructions to Peter and his companions. And after that, Jesus himself sent out from, you know. So so it, all of them have 1 through 8. Then some have 9 through 20. And some actually have a 1 through 8. And then another one verse added to it. So some people say, "Is what, what fits? Let me just tell you one thing, and I'm, I don't want you to doubt anything. I, I, when I teach the Gospel of Mark, I teach all three endings, okay? We've taught it before. I teach all three endings. I take you through all of them. But there's one thing. When you look at the second ending, which starts at verse 9 and goes through verse 20, there are some things in there that you will not find any other place in the Scripture. Let me show you what I mean. When you look at verse 15, it says, so go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Then he says, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Well, no place else says believe and be baptized to be saved. This is the only place. And then it says, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. We'll talk more about that. And then he says something weird in verse 17. Look what he says. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Okay, he's saying all believers will have this. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up servants. If they drink any deadly poison that will not hurt them, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you see that anywhere else in the scripture that says that? And so let me just say this in the nicest way. If if I said, if somebody said to me, pick out what ending you'd want, I'd go 1 through 8 and then add that last other verse. I probably wouldn't have 9 through 20. But I'm... That's not how I decided it. I look at it and say, whatever's in our Bible, I'm going to teach the whole thing. So in this, what some people call a disputed ending, is the verse that says, he who believes and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Notice this, though. He says, he who has disbelieved, that's rejected Christ. He didn't say, he who has not believed and not been baptized will be not saved. In fact, the only part that results in condemnation It's not being baptized or not, but it's believing or not. And that goes with everything. So sometimes people are going to come to you and they're going to say, this verse says you have to believe and be baptized to be saved. You say, no, it says actually if you don't believe, you're not saved. It doesn't say if you don't believe and are not baptized. So it's a a little bit kind of a tricky thing. But by the way, if when you look at John 3.18, he that believes is not condemned, but he believes not is what? Condemned already. So the condemnation is for not believing. The condemnation is never for not being baptized. You can't find that anywhere. Baptism is always something that happens after salvation. You believe and you're baptized. And some people want to say you believe and you have to get baptized or the believing doesn't count. 
Well, we don't hold to that. So sometimes people are going to come to you with Mark 16, 16. Best way to answer it is just say, it says, whoever believes is baptized, saved, but whoever disbelieves is not saved. The, the basis of salvation is whether you believe or not, not whether you're baptized or not. So I hope that helps. That's a passage people use a lot. We want to get to another passage is found in John chapter 3. So just flip over in your Bibles from Mark to Luke to John and to John chapter 3. Now John chapter 3 is a very famous passage. This is where John 3.16 is there. It's one of the great passages when a guy by the name of Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. But here is a verse that sometimes people pull out. I want you to see it. John 3.5 Jesus answered, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now Jesus said that. And some people want to say, okay, being born of the water and spirit means you got to be baptized and then you get the Holy Spirit. And that's how you get saved. That's what some people want to say. Now I want you to think about this. When they think it's water baptism, they're taking it completely out of context. They leave everything out that Jesus told Nicodemus before and after this verse. They, they take everything out of context and take one little verse. Second is, there is a false assumption that anytime you see the word water, it means baptism. It mostly doesn't. In fact, the truth is, most every time you see baptism in the scripture, it's not referring to water baptism, it's referring to spiritual baptism, in which you're placed in Christ in union with Him. Baptism is identification. So be real careful that anytime you see the word baptize, Romans chapter 6, we were baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. We're not talking about water baptism. We're talking about how the Spirit placed us in Christ. We died and rose again with Him to a new life. We're identified with Him. So be careful. Anytime you see the word baptism, don't assume water. And anytime you see the word water, don't assume that it's baptism. You just can't do that. So let's, let's, let's talk for a minute about this because we're going to look at John 3, 5, born of water and the Spirit. So let's think about it. You got to look at the context. So let's look at John chapter 3. And it's one of, one of my favorite places. Um, Sometimes, uh, I've, I've, I always, you know, they, there's that old saying that if you're a preacher, you got to be ready to preach, pray, or die. You know, that, and of course, everybody, you turn around, they go, let's all eat. JB, you're the preacher, pray. I mean, I'm the professional prayer, right? That's what everybody thinks the preacher prays every time. And, and so, but you've also got to be ready to preach, meaning you got to be ready. And sometimes, one of the key things I've told everybody on our staff and all of that is always have a message ready that if, say, some Sunday I woke up and I'm sick and we didn't even know about it, Brian could be ready, uh, Blake could be ready, Hunter could be ready. All those guys were ready to be able to just step up and teach the Bible. John 3 is one that's for me. If I went someplace and out of the blue somebody said, why don't you teach us for a while? I'd say, okay, I can do that. And I'd start with John chapter 3. It is so it's so amazing. So let's look at it real quickly. We won't spend a lot of time on it, but I want you to see this John 3, 5 and how it fits together. So here's Jesus. Let me give you an idea. Jesus had already gone to Cana of Galilee, and there was a wedding there, and he and his guys got invited, and they're all there, and they ran out of wine, and his mother came over to Jesus and said they ran out of wine. Jesus said, what does that have to do with me? My time has not yet come, but she says, and so he said, okay, get some pots, fill them up with water, get the servants to dip it out, take it over to the head of the wedding party, not the groom, that's the head of the wedding party, and they take it to him, and he drinks, and he goes, man, this is the best wine I've ever drank. He said, you know, most people, they start off with the good wine, and then when you get drunk, then you get the bad wine. You get the best wine for now. And people were turning around, and the servants knew that Jesus had filled that. They'd filled it up with water, but it became wine, and the disciples knew. So they have just seen Jesus do this miracle. He's gone up to Cana. He's done different things. And then 
while he's there, he's, he's actually gone down to Jerusalem. It's Passover time, and he's down there, and there comes somebody to see him. Now notice it says, verse chapter 3, verse 1, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now there was this man of the Pharisees. Now we know that there were Pharisees and Sadducees and Herodians and Zealots and all the uh, all these different groups at that time. Pharisees believed that uh, God was great, that the Bible was accurate, and that you had to obey the Bible in order to be saved. It was, you know, a lot, let me, I think I may have the slide on this. Yeah, Nicodemus, he believed that the law was for salvation. What you had to do was just obey the Mosaic law. That's what the Pharisees tried to do. And they had other laws. They had many other laws that they added on. One of the problems is there's 600 and something commandments. I mean, 613. How in the world are you going to obey every one of those? And you can't. And, of course, the Mosaic law knew you couldn't. And under the Mosaic law, there were provisions. When you broke the the thing, they had these sacrifices. But nobody was ever saved by the law. The law was to point to Christ. But the Pharisees missed it. And so here's this Pharisee, and he's been seeing Jesus, and he's heard about the miracles, and he's seen some of the miracles that Jesus has done. So he decides to come to Jesus. So he's a Pharisee, which means he believed the law. His name is Nicodemus, and he's a ruler of the Jews. That means he was one of the most important men in Israel. There were 70 members of a group called the Sanhedrin. High priest was number one, and then we're not sure whether there were 70 others or 69 others. We know that there were 70 or 71, but mostly say 70. And the high priest was there, and the others there, and a lot of Pharisees were there. So that means he's one of the most important men in Israel. We're going to find out in a minute. He's also a teacher. In fact, he's called the teacher in Israel. So this guy is big time. He's a ruler of the Jews, he's a Pharisee, and he's a main teacher. He decides to come to Jesus because he's seen all this stuff. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And then it says, uh, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him. Now, let's stop. And why did he come to Jesus at night? Well, because I think he, some people say he was busy. I think he's embarrassed. I think he did not want others to know, other religious leaders to know that he was going to see Jesus. Because most of the religious leaders are already rejecting Jesus. And they're calling him bad names. And they're saying he's from the devil and everything else. But this man, for some reason, says, I want to go talk to him. But I'm not going to do it out in the open because everybody will look at me and they'll say, what do you think you're doing? You're a Pharisee. You can't go see him. So he goes to Jesus by night, and look what he says. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which is a compliment. Compl- Rabbi means my master, but it came to mean my teacher. So he's actually calling Jesus a teacher, which was a compliment. He says, Rabbi, we know you have come from God. Wow. As a teacher, why? He didn't say you've come from God as the Messiah. He said you've come from God as a teacher, for nobody can do the signs that you do unless God's with him. He said, obviously, there's something going on here. You, you, nobody can do what you're doing unless they're from God. So he's not saying, I believe you're the Messiah. He's saying, I think you must be from God, but I want to know more about you. I want to figure out what's going on. You think Jesus would say, well, thank you so much, because he says, you must be from God. You think Jesus would go, thank you so much. It's about time some of you people recognize that. But Jesus doesn't say that at all. He goes right to the heart of the issue. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He says, literally, you gotta be born from above. That's the word, anon, again, means from above. 
or, or again, it can mean both. You gotta be born from above, you gotta be born again, and you can't see the kingdom of God. And seeing the kingdom of God means getting in the kingdom. And most Pharisees thought they were in the kingdom. They said, oh, I'm gonna be in the kingdom. Why? Well, because I've done this, 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 and this. He says, unless you're born again, regenerated, I think I've got the name, yeah, born again, regeneration, unless that happens, you, you're not gonna get into the kingdom. Well, the Pharisees would go, what are you talking about? And, and he listens to what Jesus said, and Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, he didn't really understand, and you'd think this. You'd think that this smart man, who's the teacher of Israel, who knows the law, who is a leader of Israel, you'd think he might understand, because being born again is an Old Testament concept, it's not a New Testament concept. And he says you gotta be born again, and Nicodemus doesn't grasp it. It's because they just reject all it. And so Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He can't enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Nicodemus thinks it's physical. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't be born again. You can't go back up in your mother and come back out. That's stupid. You can't do that. And so Nicodemus is missing the whole point. You want to go, McFly, you know, listen, what, what, what's going on? Listen, what are you saying? You think I'm talking physical birth? But then Jesus says, okay, all right, let me, let me give you something here. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So this is a little emphasis. He says, truly, truly. Remember, uh, whenever uh, the word true is, is from the word amen, A-M-E-N, he could have said amen, amen, which means true, true. He said, listen, this is careful. This, this is big. The emphasis, you must be born of water and spirit, and you'll not enter the kingdom of God. So is Jesus saying you have to be baptized and then be born again? What is, no, what, what is he saying to And Nicodemus hasn't grasped it yet. He will in just a second. Uh, but Jesus says you must be born of the water and the spirit. Well, he didn't say that back over in three. He said be born again, you'll see the kingdom of God. He said unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. You can't go. Uh, so what is he talking about? So let's talk about views, okay? Let's talk about what could this be? Well, some people say, uh, what, what does it mean born of water and spirit? Well, some people say it means water baptism. Unless you're baptized. So he'd be saying, unless you're born of baptism and the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, here's the problem of that. There's no mention of baptism in this. And if you go through the whole passage, there's never a mention of baptism or any aspect of this. So why is that all of a sudden baptism? And you have to assume that he's talking about baptism when he says you've got to be born of the water and spirit. So a lot of people who believe you have to be baptized for salvation go to this verse and say, there it is, born of water, baptism, born of the spirit. So you have to believe and, and get the spirit and get also baptized. And, of course, you know, you could say, well, it doesn't, it says water and then spirit. It doesn't say spirit and then water. So y'all got it backwards. You know, and so anyway, it, it doesn't match. And so the truth is this. When somebody brings this verse to you and says, that's, that's water baptism, you could say, well, there's not any mentioned anywhere in baptism of that. The second view is that it's physical birth. And this is what, to be honest with you, this is what I think it is. I think it's physical birth. Because he's saying, uh, that which is born of, of what, you gotta be born in the water and the spirit, born in the water is, you gotta be physically born and then spiritually born. It's a double, it's a, that's why he calls it being born again. You're born once physically, you're born twice spiritually. 
And that's what I think he's saying. We'll see it more in just a minute because there's another verse that comes that really talks about this. And I think it fits together perfectly. So I think he's saying there's a physical aspect. There's also a grammar aspect. You can look in the Bible and the word, when it says born of the water and the spirit, there's a little Greek word, chi, means and. But it could also mean even. It could mean a few other things. It's kind of a unique word, but most of the time it means and, but it could be even. So he could be saying you must be born of water, even the spirit, meaning that he's calling water the spirit or the spirit water. If you look in John chapter 7, we won't take the time to go there, but in chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, the Holy Spirit's re- referred to as water, the water of the spirit. And so some people want to say that he's actually saying in the Greek language, unless you're born of water, even the spirit, spirit is the water, you can't enter the kingdom of God. I I think that's possible from the Greek language, but I don't think that's what it's saying personally. I just don't. And then the fourth, there's a fourth one, which means to be cleansed by God. And it goes back to Ezekiel chapter 36. If your Bible's like mine, uh, at the end of this verse down, a little reference, they actually reference Ezekiel chapter 36, in which it talks about how God will wash you clean. Uh, and so they're saying that when he says you be born of the water and the spirit, it's the same as God told Ezekiel that you have to be washed. And that's, of course, by faith and all of that. So there's the four views that a lot of people use. I think uh, uh, the, 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 key, the key one, uh, notice, notice there's not baptism. There's a moment of baptism in, any, in the entire context of this passage. So to make water baptism in verse 5 is really weird. I think it's, I think it's a physical birth. Look at verse 6. Let me read it this way. Verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. That's physical birth. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's spiritual birth. I think 6 shows the contrast between physical and spiritual birth. And so I think Jesus is actually saying, you've got to be born physically and spiritually. You've got to have two births. That's why it's called the second birth. That's why it's called being born from above. That's why it's called being born again. Because you've already been born once physically. You need to be born spiritually. So I think that's what Jesus is saying to him. He says, you've got to be born twice. You've got to be born of the flesh. Because he, he doesn't grasp it. And he says, look, you've got to be born of water and the spirit. Because that which is born of flesh is flesh. There's a physical birth. And then there is a spiritual birth. Now, what's amazing is, and we're not going to take time to go through all of the, uh, Nicodemus goes, I don't get it. <laughs> and Jesus says, you are the teacher in Israel, and you don't get this? And so Jesus says, you know what, I'm, I think I can help him. <laughs> Jesus said, I, you know, Nicodemus probably knew the Bible. In fact, probably knew that probably many Pharisees had memorized, now get ready, had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Think about that. Now we might say, I'm going to memorize a chapter. They memorized the first five books, the Torah. Think about that. So Nicodemus would know everything. So Jesus, Jesus knows everything and he knows what Nicodemus knows. So Jesus says, wait a minute. Let me, let me put something where you can understand it. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, what's that talking about? Well, in Numbers chapter 21, which Nicodemus would know, the Jewish people were griping about God, and God let snakes bite them. And when the snakes bit them, they came. They were dying, and they came to Moses and said, Tell God to stop the snakes. So Moses goes to God at the tabernacle, and God comes down, and God says, Here's what you do. Take a piece of bronze, make it look like a snake, put it up on a pole, put the pole up in the camp, way up there. Anytime a person gets bit by a snake, all they have to do is look. 
And if they look, they'll be saved. So it's by faith. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Just like that snake was lifted up and people look to that to be saved, the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. And then he says, and whoever believes has eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to whoever believed in him would never perish but have everlasting Life. So Jesus turns and teaches him something that he already knew. Moses lifted up the serpent of the wilderness, son of man, that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. We already know John three sixteen. Whoever believes has eternal life. And he says, For God didn't send the Son in the world to judge the world, but the world be saved. He that believes is not condemned. He that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Now, he told Nicodemus, where some people say that was water baptism, that's not water baptism. When he tells Nicodemus how to be saved, it's it's nothing but faith. Three different times. Faith, faith, faith. Whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever believes has eternal life. That's the message. And if you look at that and try to make that baptism, you miss the whole point of the whole passage. The whole passage is telling Nicodemus how he can have eternal life simply by faith. How do you get born again? You believe. So it's pretty powerful. Now, what happened to Nicodemus? Nobody knows. He left. But what we do know is in the Gospel of John, when Jesus Christ died and Joseph of Arimathea came and took the body off the cross to take it and put it in the grave, Nicodemus came with him and brought a whole bunch of spices and they buried Jesus. There is a good idea there that maybe Nicodemus became a believer. And so I I actually believe that probably most likely Nicodemus became a believer probably after meeting with Jesus. And he kept it quiet. Just like, listen, Joseph of Arimathea. We all go, Joseph of Arimathea, what a guy. It says he was a secret disciple. You know what that means? That means he, t- he was a believer in Jesus, but he didn't want to tell anybody because he was afraid. But then at the end, he went right in there and got the body. So he came out of being a secret disciple. But there's Nicodemus, and maybe he had been a secret disciple all that while too. Because if you're going to be a Pharisee and then say, I believe in Jesus, they kicked you right out. And he had a lot to lose, Right? Teacher in Israel, a member of the Sanhedrin, and a Pharisee. And probably if he had said, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they'd have got rid of him and everything. And uh, that doesn't mean he wasn't saved. It just means uh, sometimes Joseph of Arimathea and him. Now, I guarantee you when he buried Jesus, he stood out right there. And I guarantee you from that point on, people knew that he was a believer. So some really powerful stuff. Okay, so... Salvation is not by what we do, and water in John 3 is really physical birth. I I think that's the best way to look at it. You can look at it any way you want to. I don't think you could ever say it's baptism. I think you could say it's either physical birth, it's either even maybe the spirit with the Greek language, or you could say maybe it's going back to Ezekiel, but I think the best answer is it's born of the water and the spirit, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. So let me give you some applications before we break. Uh, let's remember that salvation is always by faith alone. It's faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, Jesus died and rose again. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life believing in him. Understand the purpose of baptism. Baptism is never for salvation. We've never seen it that way for salvation. Old Testament people were baptized. They were baptized to identify with the nation of Israel. Uh, John the Baptist baptized people to identify with the coming king. Jesus got baptized to identify with fallen mankind. New believers get baptized to identify with Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. So baptism has nothing to do with salvation. And then let's just be ready to give an answer because we know 
sometimes people are going to bring these verses to us. Now, most people aren't going to come to you and bring you John 16, uh, Mark 16, 16. Most people aren't going to bring you John 3. They're going to bring you the one we did last week, which is Acts 2.38, and we talked about that. But I just want you to, to be ready, to be able to look at this, to be ready to give an answer and to say, oh, I, I know that one. You know, I know how this fits. Uh, and so that's the plan.